in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CEO Rated Podcast with your host, John Mayetta. If you like this podcast, leave us a five-star rating or five-star review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast content. GE is in the news. We've been kind of harsh with GE. Started talking about them some 60-odd episodes ago, since had a change at the CEO level. But it came out over the weekend, former board member Ken Langone. Ken was one of the co-founders on the financing side of Home Depot, former member of New York Stock Exchange former board member at GE, and he gave an interview at CNBC, and it's been picked up in some of the various trade press. And one of the the, the quotes that Ken made that was interesting, and I'll read you the quote, Jack ran the business. Uh, Lynn Gohn's talking about former GE CEO Jack Welch. Jack, to me, was one of the finest managers I've ever seen. When he had NBC and there was a problem with Seinfeld, Jack parachutes in and talks to Seinfeld. Every 90 days, he'd meet with all the 13 different business segments and drill down. So that that last line about meeting with the different business units every 90 days, meeting every quarter, those are typically called operational reviews or op reviews in most companies. Maybe you do it every 60 days, every 90 days, once a quarter. Maybe you do it monthly if uh, the, the business unit is a bit of a problem child. If you're CEO and there's a, you know, let's say, for example, you're a new CEO and uh, one of the business units in the company is one that you think highly of, although it's on life support. Let's say it's just been completely mismanaged, uh, but you think the business unit has high potential because of the market it's in. You think the people are quality other than maybe the guy or girl who's running it. Uh, so you parachute in and you decide that you're going to be the one to lead the thing back to health. And so maybe you, uh, let's say headquarters on the East Coast of the country, and maybe this business unit's in the Midwest. If you're worth, worth the assault as a CEO, you'd parachute in there, lease a house, buy a house in the area, and call that business unit home for the next year or two until it's at a level that you feel comfortable with. That's what a good CEO worth the assault would do. They drill down, they get in the weeds. Lynn Gohn went on to comment, Emalt felt himself coronated as king, if you will. And this is what happens when you don't stay in the weeds as CEO. Who do I mean by in the weeds? I don't mean that you're the ultimate decision making or ultimate decision maker on every little item that occurs in the business. Certainly you can't do that in a company the size of GE. Even in a rapidly growing startup, you can't be involved in every little decision. The company will never scale. And that's why you hire good people. But oftentimes what happens, I've seen this before in a number of large companies, is CEOs become somewhat removed. They don't do their op reviews. They don't travel around and meet the different business units. They don't walk around and ask questions. And I realize, you know, it's, it's a little bit delicate. You don't want to step on the, the people who run the different business units for you as CEO. You don't want to step on their toes, but you also need to be in the know as to what's going on in the business. However you do that. There's the old management by walking around, which is a phrase coined by uh, Hewlett Packard's founders. You know, there's, there's some research that's been done in, in sports, and I haven't seen it in the corporate world yet. I'm going to make a note to myself to, to, to check up on it. But there's been some work done in athletics and it shows that an athlete's performance overall performance increases if that athlete works allocates more time to improving strengths versus shoring up weaknesses so it's important to work on strengths and weaknesses but it's been common practice to maybe allocate time equally or to allocate more time toward weaknesses but in the world of athletics it appears that by allocating a majority of time toward enhancing your strengths will pay greater dividends in the long run than any other approach than focusing on weaknesses for example so perhaps there's something there for the corporate world perhaps by focusing on your strengths and making them truly 
superior attributes specific to you, specific to your department, division, to your business unit, truly making your strengths world-class. Perhaps that's the way to drive superior financial performance, superior personal performance in the corporate world. But managing from an ivory tower does not work as we've experienced under former CEO Jeff Emalt as GE shares have lost almost 80% from their all-time high when, when Jack Wells stepped away in, in 2001. So it's just unfortunate that it went on this long. And I don't know what the answer is. The answer obviously is um, accountability. Boards holding CEOs accountable and vice versa. There's a lot of board members that coast. So that accountability is the answer. The question is, how do you enforce accountability? How do you incent accountability? Well, compensation is one. But the problem is if you're awarding tens of millions or hundreds of millions in options, you know, in total comp every year, then performance is less of an issue, right? So if, if let's say, for example, John Doe, CEO, if he underperforms, he gets paid $25 million. If he outperforms, he gets paid as much as $100 million. That's a wide delta. That's a material difference. But let's say John Doe is maybe 60, 62 years old. This is his last gig. His job is sort of to just sort of uh, tighten things up at said company. He's probably going to do a five-year stint and name his successor. That's really his MO. Tighten up the ship and name a successor. Or we'll pay you you know, 25-ish to come over and do it. And if you're really knocking it out of the park, we'll pay you 100. Well, maybe John Doe's already worth a couple hundred million. And he's 60, 62. He has grandkids. So maybe he does the mental math and figures, well, hey, I could kill myself on this job and it's only going to make an extra couple pennies of earnings in a quarter, maybe an extra dime in a year. I'm out of here in five years anyway. I'm not willing to do what it's going to take to, to earn $100 million a year. I'm not working seven days a week. So you see what I mean? This is how, as a company, you leave yourself exposed to mediocrity. Perhaps one solution is to recruit the CEO who is hungry, the CEO who hasn't made a, a bunch of money, the CEO who's younger and wants to prove his or her chops, the CEO who hasn't done it two or three times already before. See, that's the risk with, with boards, and you see it with, with venture guys as well. Th they try to mitigate risk, which is a good thing to do. You don't want to take unnecessary risk. If you're going to take risk, you want to be compensated for it. But what oftentimes happens is boards and, and uh, venture companies, PE guys, they will limit their universe of companies they fund or CEOs that they want to hire to people who, quote unquote, have done it before. Well, this guy's already taken a company public. So-and-so has already been CEO two or three times. He or she knows how to cut expenses and drive earnings, as if that's the important thing. So-and-so has already had a, one or two successful products that they've been able to, to, to sell. So I'll write a check and fund his or her next company. So you, you, you really limit yourself when you focus your universe of candidates, CEO candidates, venture candidates, PE candidates, you, you, you really limit the upside when you limit your candidate pool to those who quote unquote have done it before. I would argue you're creating risk when you do that. I would argue you're creating risk and you're creating risk because you're eliminating those who are smart and hungry. And I forget Mario Gabelli's saying, poor, hungry, I'll leave it in the show notes if I think of it. But there's something to be said for backing, selecting the executive whom hasn't yet hit it out of the park, but has all the attributes of somebody who 
could hit it out of the park. And by the way, we're doing research in this area. We're doing research on the personality side, collecting personality data to see if we can correlate it back to financial performance. So my hypothesis is that in a, a fluid industry like technology, particularly if you think about a really fluid space like autonomous driving, where the science is new, things change rapidly, different vendors may leap, leapfrog each other pretty quickly, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality. Think about industries that are very fluid such as those and, and what kind of executive would would perform best as ceo in those environments so if you're the personality type that you're risk averse that you're very deliberate very methodical uh you want to have perfect information before you make a decision which doesn't exist by the way perfect information i'm, I'm trying to describe a, a slow plotting deliberate type that person is going to fill in one of those industry segments that i just described whereas on the other hand if you have an ultra creative type essentially an, an an artist in a business suit managing a utility that's probably not going to be a good fit either so we're doing work on that but it is just a shame i feel for ge and its employees and all the shareholders that had to suffer suffer this 77 percent decline since 2001 and you should be angry with Jeff Emalt, the guilty party, you should be angry with those who had the opportunity to call him out on it. So sometimes this is a direct report. You need to call people out, even if it means sacrificing your job. It's not always a good thing to go along to get along. And you should be angry with the board. Way too many board members go along to get along. Way too many board members are there to just check the box. Way too many board members wouldn't know how to fix it if their life depended on it. If there is an institution in America that needs fixing within the world of corporate America, it is corporate boardrooms. See you all next time. Don't nobody bring me no bad news Cause I wake up all